I'm former Congressman Gary Franks. And I'm his son, Gary. I'm millennial. We're discussing everything from politics to sports and pop culture. From very different perspectives. We speak frankly. Welcome back. So, Gary Jr., an interesting past week. A um, number of things occurred. Uh, unfortunately, we even had an assassination, which we'll hopefully we'll have a little time to talk about that. In our hemisphere, a president uh, was assassinated last week. And obviously, COVID is still around. And we have uh, other topics to talk about. What would you like to start with? And what would you like to talk about? Well, I'd like to start with the latest on COVID-19 and all the other variants and things like that that's coming up. Well, it's it's been an interesting past week, Gary, because we have a, a situation where the CDC has come out and it's only recommendations. I'm glad people are starting, the media, starting to really explain this to people. The CDC and the federal level can make recommendations, but... It's the local school board, it's the local folks who ultimately would make the decision. Ultimately, uh, this, the governor would play a role for each particular state. And thus, they will look at the local data to make sure that the trends are going in a proper direction. Now, what am I talking about? I'm talking about the fact that the CDC is saying that kids should be able to go back to school in the fall. And so in September, there should be no reason why we can't have in-person school. Uh-oh, wait a minute, I forgot. There is one reason, and that is teachers' union. They are, once again, potentially a roadblock. Now, once again, I think in America, we have to, number one, we have to recognize there's tremendous value to unions. And if we did not have unions, America would not be what it is today. I'll be the first to say that. But sometimes entities get just too damn strong. To me, the teachers' union are the number one reason why we have segregated schools in America today. The number one, the number one reason. But we'll come back to that at another time. So let's deal with the fact that it wasn't that long ago, Gary, when the, when the teachers' union said no in Chicago, no in Philadelphia for the teachers to go back to school if I have in-person schooling. And the CDC said, and the White House said, no, but we should be able to go back to school. And they just blocked it. So hopefully that will not happen again. Hopefully the, the, the teachers' union will realize that they're not almighty and that they are not stronger than thou and that they, once again, Ronald Reagan put, the t put a union in, in their place. I talked about this in the prior show, Gary. The air traffic controller. Oh, we're not going to fly unless we get what we No, and what happened? They were all fired. And that's what I'm not saying that that can happen with the teachers. I'm not recommending that to happen with the teachers. But there must be consequences for any organization defying the will of the American people. There has to be consequences because that is why we are Americans. You can't have one entity just say, I'm doing what I want. And that, that, that's what I'm going to do because I'm doing I'm looking out for me. And me is me, and that's all I care about. No, you can't do that. 320 million Americans, we're all in this together. So the CDC came out and said that youngsters 12 years old and over do not need to wear a mask upon returning to school, nor would vaccinated teachers. 
because 12 and older, they should be able to get the vaccination. And teachers, I believe most of them have have already gotten their, their, their vaccination. So those individuals would not have to wear masks. 12 and under, they're recommending that those children would wear masks. And then that, you know, because they don't have a vaccination, a proven one for, for that age bracket. The, the suggestion is the three feet rule again. But I heard on one of the TV stations over the, the last few days that the teachers union is, is balking at that age group, saying that those kids could come to school with the virus and thus infect them. And so now, which says two things. One, if you're already vaccinated, you're not supposed to be able to get you know, that ill. And, and keep in mind that it's been stated that for those individuals that, who have had the vaccination, either any, any of them, of the major ones, the odds of you dying from, from COVID is reduced significantly. I think that of the deaths that have occurred since the vaccinations have been prevalent, 99.08% of the people who have been vaccinated have not died. It's been less than 1% of those individuals who have had the vaccination who have still died because of COVID, which they said is equivalent to getting struck by lightning. So that has to be kept in mind if we're going to go by the science. And the bottom line of it is, if you are vaccinated, you could get sick, but not it should not lead to something serious or hospitalization. Now, all of those facts are being compiled and being looked at and et cetera. And then last week, Gary Pfizer came out and said, hey, guys, you're going to need a booster shot. And I want to get approved for giving people the booster shot. And the booster shot potentially should be given after six to 12 months. And the CDC went bonkers. They said, what booster shot? There is not enough data to substantiate a need for a booster shot after six to 12 months. So that rub occurred last week, Gary, last Friday. They were both going at it. Say, oh, no, we, got, we want to get proof for our third shot. Now, keep in mind, not even half of Americans have had two shots yet. So now you're going to say to a growing number, of, a diminishing number of Americans, I should say, who are not getting, oh, no, it's still growing, and we're not getting the shot, that, hey, instead of getting two shots, you're going to need three. Yeah, that's going to go over really, really well. And so that mixed messaging is, is all, has been a concern. Also, Gary, last week, the Biden administration fumbled the ball about going door to door and trying to, at first it was thought of as they're going door to door to vaccinate people. That's not the case, no. But it came across that way initially. They want to go door to door to inform people that they should be getting vaccinated if they haven't gotten vaccinated already. <gasps> That's the point. Then they fumbled the ball again because then HHS, one of the HHS secretary came out and said, or gave an inference, or the question was posed to him, how does the United States know? How does the government know if people have been vaccinated? Why are you going door to door? You're going to hit doors that only of people who haven't been vaccinated because you already know the people who have been vaccinated. And that became a big boo-ha-ha for a while, and they backed off of that saying, we do not know all the people who have been vaccinated. Can't, we're not going to doors that are just people that we know have not been vaccinated. Instead, we're going to the doors, door to door, to let people know about why they should let people know that the vaccination is out there and they should get it and give them reasons 
to do so, as though we haven't heard that on TV already a million and one times. So it was a fumble, a lot of fumbles last week, Gary, a lot of confusion. Fauci was on a lot you know, last week, and I'm sure um, you know, I may continue on during this week because they have been all over the lot. But hopefully people in general would understand that this is new to everybody and we're all trying to adjust. Let's not politicize it like it was politicized in 2020. That is one of the reasons why you have red states who really aren't getting vaccinated and you have all the blue states are getting vaccinated. And that is sad because that would show that the media's thumb on the scale on trying to make Trump look bad over a pandemic that no one knew how to handle and the science was being developed by an hourly basis, turned that into Trump is messing up and we need to get rid of him and using the Woodward tape to show that Trump didn't know what he was doing. He said that he didn't do And that was a total, 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 total fiasco. And now we're paying the consequences for it because people don't trust what they're hearing. And so the red states hear one thing and the blue states hear something different. And we cannot have that type of America. We have to be able to bond together, but it's hard because people do not have a great deal of trust in our media, mainstream media. And that's very evident, Gary, in a recent Washington Post ABC poll where a large number of Republicans said they were not going to take the vaccination and, and, and yet a good number of Democrats said that they were. So there's polling data to substantiate my, uh, my concerns on that issue. So that's where we stand. Ideally, our children will be going back to in-person school um, in the fall. Ideally, the unions will not block it, and the teachers will be there as well, because obviously that's what you need. And ideally, Gary, we will not need a booster shot from Pfizer, even though they're pushing it. And ideally, we will get more people vaccinated. And ideally, the vaccinations that we've all had, or many people have had, uh, we'll be able to deal with the Delta variant. And, and so far, that is, that is the case. And hopefully that will continue to be the case. But then again, you, you heard last week, Gary, that the, the Olympics are up in the air. Nope, they're going to have the Olympics. Don't get me wrong. They're having the athletes there. But there are going to be no spectators, which is going to be a little awkward. But there's a spike in Japan. And so it, as much as we want the covid situation pandemic to be behind us every time it seems like we we're, we're snuffing it out it seems like it wiggles and comes back in some other form but but god willing we won't be making any more comments soon about covid the covid pandemic in america at least but uh, we're not there yet but we're getting closer uh to that point and it has to be mentioned that the american people have commended president biden for his efforts on covid one of his highest ratings got a 61%, 31% favorable, unfavorable rating on his handling of COVID. Now, I think that's a lot can be attributed mainly to the trillions of dollars they've thrown at people uh, because of um, the fact that COVID has disrupted our economy. But still, I, I would give him good marks for, for the concern that he has shown. I believe he could, be, he could help the situation tremendously, tremendously, tremendously. If you would do one thing, that is praise Trump. If he would say something positive about Trump, since the vaccinations all were developed on Trump's watch and started with the vaccination process started with Trump, why not say that a few times? Especially when you're going to Mississippi or Alabama, some of the states in which Trump carried overwhelmingly, why not remind the people that it was Trump's 
administration that actually did that. I know why, because you don't want to get Trump credit for anything. So who suffers? We all suffer because you're not magnanimous enough to say that Donald Trump did a good job with developing this vaccination in record speed. That will go a long way to convincing a number of Republicans to support it. Just like I've said in the past, why don't you put a Republican in your cabinet like Barack Obama did, Bill Clinton did, like George Bush did, like uh, presidents in the past, skip over Trump, I don't think he did, but I'm not sure about that after check, but like most Democrat presidents, they have picked a Republican to be in a prominent position in their administration, i.e. cabinet. Hagel served in, in one of the cabinets as Secretary of Defense. Uh, Trump took a person who was a congressman from, from Illinois, whose name escapes me right now, he'll come to me a little later. His son succeeded him in Congress as Transportation Secretary. They all do it, but you haven't. And so if you would be a little more out, so a little more outreach toward Republicans, maybe that 8% of Republicans that deemed you as being a, as, as your performance as being acceptable, that number would go up. 8% is pretty bad. Keep in mind, 8% is about the number of black people that voted for Trump. You know, that's not good. So if you're at 8% with Republicans, ugh, that means 92% don't think you're doing a good job. That is not a good statement. And only about half of the independents think you're doing a good job. You're not doing well because the bottom line of it is without, without black people, you would be underwater. More people would disapprove of you than approve of you. So the vaccination is a clear point where you can take what Trump has done, praise Trump in the past administration, you got Fauci who worked in that administration, and praise the people who worked on the, on the development of the vaccination so that you can potentially get more Republicans to get vaccinated, because that is where the heart of the problem would be as far as increasing the rate. And I know, I know the guy well, I just couldn't think of his name. It's coming. Ray LaHood, that's right. Ray LaHood was Transportation Secretary under President Barack Obama. So it's done. Bill Cohen, former Republican senator from Maine, played a lead role in getting rid of Nixon when he was a congressman. Bill Clinton made him Secretary of Defense. So everybody's done it, Joe. Come on, you can do it. It'll help. Bottom line, it definitely can't hurt. You're at 8%. Come on. Was there anything that President Biden said during his speech when he was addressing the country on the update on COVID-19 that was interesting to you? Well, he was imploring people to get vaccinated. And Gary, that, that that's very important. I agree with him. The more that we get vaccinated, we will have herd immunity and, and, and it'd be good for, for the country. And then, you know, there was a time in which President Biden was talking about sending excess vaccinations to other parts of the world especially India and places that were being hit really hard, because that would be the next challenge. After we get herd immunity in the United States is that reach out and try to help as many countries as we can, because once again, this is a worldwide pandemic. It's not, the air does not stop at the border, the border of California or at the border of New York. The air goes all over the place and people travel all over the place. So it, it's a worldwide pandemic that has to be dealt with, but we have to get our own house in order and, and so he was talking about taking um, measures such as, uh, um, as I mentioned before, going door to door, I, I, which I do not think would be a wise thing to do. I mean, people have heard about it enough on TV, but they are trying to get other spokespeople out there to talk about it. But 
I think the teachers union and some unions just, just heard it right away because they come back and say, well, you know, this eight, nine year old, 12 year old or 11 year old, I should say, uh, that is not vaccinated. I'm not, I'm not, we shouldn't, the school should be closed. That tells people that your vaccination, Mr. Teacher, Mrs. Teacher, you're fearful that it's not going to work. So why would people want to get vaccinated if you, the teachers, are saying are, are, are presuming that it's not going to work? Just like when I was on a plane not too long ago, Gary, it was like, okay, if, we don't ask everyone if they've been vaccinated. But the bottom line of it is we're assuming that most people have. And we could ask. We can have people show their cards or whatever. And then we shouldn't have to wear the mask for a five-hour flight or a three-hour flight or a four-hour flight. We should be able to be on the plane in a comfortable manner. The, the ventilation is outstanding on planes. The air circulates several times during the course of an hour or whatever. Um, so, but it says to us, hey, I know you're vaccinated, but you know, this thing may not work. You know, so that's that's not showing a lot of confidence. I am glad that the president of the United States and the vice president of the United States are not wearing their masks constantly. Because that was not a good message. Oh, yeah, get vaccinated. Put the mask on, put two masks on. That's not a good message. But we kind of moved on beyond that, and thank God. And hopefully, uh, by example, I think more and more people will do it. But then again, a lot of people are saying, hey, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait. I'm not going to, I don't want it. And we are America. And America is made up of Americans. And we do have that, that freedom unless... You know, some other mandate comes down, and I don't see the government government going to that extent. What's the latest update on this cyber attacks and ransomware? Well, Gary, this the cyber attack situation is getting to be a, a to me a grave concern. I mean, the president was over in uh, in Europe, and he met with the President Putin, and that was that was one of the top topics that they were they were talking about. And, and Putin kind of pushed it off as oh, we don't do that. We don't. You guys do. And the bottom line of it is, less than two weeks later, two or three weeks later, we have another cyber attack and ransomware attack uh, to the tune of hundreds of United States companies, fifteen hundred companies worldwide. And one of the people who were hit was actually a political operation, a Republican National Committee person, or someone of that nature. You know, it's it's uh, something we have to deal with. This this is a 21st century type problem, and, be, and let's put it this way, Gary. If, we, if there were times when wars were started because you know 600 people would die or a thousand people would die, well, we could shut down people's major infrastructure and affect hundreds of millions of people. Two, three or four hundred people dying, hundreds of millions of people having less use of the infrastructure. 300 people die, millions and tens of millions, hundreds of millions having no access to oil or gasoline for their cars. Which is better? Which is a bigger problem? The 200 people that just died in a boat and, or a plane or this, or 300 million people that can't get gas. So we, we have to realize that it's a significant problem in America, in the world, quite frankly, but we're being attacked. It's no question our intelligence will show us that it's coming from Russia. Um, now, it's not state-sponsored. The president came out last week and said it's not state-sponsored. In other words, the Russian government is not doing it. However, it's strongly felt that we know exactly where it's coming from. In other words, we probably can pinpoint the building that it came from, and we could and probably have in, in the president's conversation with Mr. Putin told him exactly where it came, came from so he can go and take action and stop those characters from doing it again and potentially arresting them and showing us that he's done that. 
that would really be tremendous if that were, were to be the case, because then there wouldn't be a need for a tit for tat. Okay, you got to do this to me. I'm going to do this. We don't want that because that escalates very, very quickly. And because uh, people sometimes don't take a measured approach to uh, um, an attack or to a, to a threat. And so ideally, if we can find the people who are doing this, make sure they don't get that $70 million that they're looking for and let all the companies be able to continue their business as usual uh, without skipping a beat. That would be the best solution. But we also have to think longer term because right now it's, it's uh, emanating from Russia, but you know, who knows? We have to be concerned with this escalating, getting it and expanding to other areas. And so our companies must be more astute at handling the, these problems and backup systems are absolutely necessary. I keep going back to the hospitals. There had to be much concern many, many years ago, decades ago, back in the 19th century, 20th century or whatever, or middle part of the 20th century, when people said, oh my God, if we have a hurricane here, what's going to happen if, if someone's scheduled for an operation? Well, guess what? We took care of that. We have backup systems. We hit a button, backup generation generator turns on and the lights come back on and operation and everything in the operation at the hospital continues as if nothing happened. And so we have water that can come in through various means as well. And so we've dealt with that. We, we've dealt with that. We've handled that. We have to understand that we, we have to do something very similar on the cyber front since everybody, everybody has their, no one uses pencils and papers to keep, to keep records. Everyone seems to have their records, their data, financial information online. And with that being the case, we are all subject to uh, a problem coming from bad people. So if we don't take that seriously and make this a universal problem, a United States problem, not a problem for XYZ company, not a problem for Colonial Pipeline, but a problem for the United States, that's that's very, very important. Also last week, Gary, the president took, a, took an approach that I thought is in the right direction. I don't know all the details of it, but it was going to go after strengthening the antitrust laws because we have too many damn monopolies out there. And when we have people who can truly, truly, if they don't feel like it, stop things from happening in the United States or stop a person from even having a voice in the United States, that cannot be allowed if, if, if those companies are that strong, because I would say they are too strong. Yeah, I said the unions are too strong. Well, there's some monopolies out there that are too strong. Oh, is a union monopoly? Yeah, but you know what? They would qualify as a monopoly because bottom line, all the damn teachers work for them, okay? Just like all the police officers work for the police union. They don't work for the city. They work for the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But who, who negotiates their benefits? Who, who determines their salary? Who determines when they have a problem? Who handles their grievances? Who determines whether or not they get fired? Who fights for them to stay employed? The police union. So the, these unions are just too damn strong. There's a purpose for them. We need them. They've served a great purpose in, in, our, in our lives, but they cannot be almighty and stop the progress of the, of, and the will of the majority of Americans. And that's, that's, that's something that must not happen. So the cyber attacks, Gary, we have to be taken very seriously. And I think the administration is doing that. And all companies, all companies have to recognize that they all have to get on the same page with protecting themselves because this is a situation that, yes, the federal government can do certain things and they can fight certain countries. They can fight foreigners who are doing, doing the attacks. But we also must realize that we each and every entity must protect here in the United States, must protect themselves and their shareholders and their clients as well.
Yeah, Gary, whenever whenever a national leader is assassinated, it's it's a sad story no matter where in the world it would happen. But this ha this has occurred in our hemisphere. And Haiti has had problems for forever, it seems like, uh, whether it's storms or, or corrupt governments or, or, or whatever. But to have someone actually killed in their bedroom uh, and their wife shot three times and the president shot about a dozen times, I guess, and the daughter being able to hide in the closet to, to avoid being killed. It's, it's really, uh, it's, it's a sad, sad day. And about two dozen individuals have been arrested. Two were Americans and they said, hey, we were only translators, but the bottom line of it is and tricked into doing this or participating. But two dozen people, most of them were from Colombia. Do they know a motive? No. Do they know who's behind it ultimately? No. So it's kind of up in the air, but they have asked for the United States support and help. And I'm glad that uh, that's coming very soon. It's in fact, it's already there. And the FBI and, and they also asked for troops to keep the keep the order in the country because uh, you really don't know who the good guys and the bad guys are. Um, you know, there, there's obvious clear motive of anyone who's in the number two spot. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know that there's definitely clear motive for that individual, but that's not to say that they did it. I'm not saying that. Please, I'm not do not misconstrue what I'm saying. But the bottom line of it is, we don't know anything, and the only thing we know is what we, that we don't know. And so, it's a uh, sad situation for their family. I know the uh, the wife is in in Florida now, uh, getting treated. It's a sad day. I went to school with when I was at Yale. I was always. Uh, you know, usually a pretty prominent individual from Haiti uh, at that school. I can think of a couple right now who who uh, who resided in in Haiti, and and so we uh, we give our prayers to their to the family. We also give our prayers to the country as they're going through a very trying situation, and and a country that um, democracy is not that strong, not as strong as it should be, obviously. And uh, people have used have used the word coup as far as what took place and. You know, time will tell. And I know, like you, our, our listeners, we all pray for, for peace in Haiti. Don't forget to subscribe.